praise Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word, which does not return void, but fulfills that to which it has been sent. Help us, Father, to receive that word and to allow that word to grow in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Ready, whatever happens. This morning, as we were getting ready, I started thinking about the different things that have been already happening this year. And one of the things was that I mentioned that the words for this year has been about a great year, an open door. But there's also been words about a hard time, and it all depends about whether you are in faith or fear. You know, we've had the different prophetic voices, and some keep speaking and saying, well, it's going to be a great year, a time of blessing, a time like never before. There's an open door. Whatever your hand finds to do, you'll do. There's been a word saying that there's going to be a drawing back and a pulling back and there's going to be, you know, less and we're going to have to be careful. And I said, both words are true. I believe it. They're just spoken to two different groups of people. You know, the world system right now, and I read this again just yesterday, the world system is saying, oh, you know, the price of oil is dropping. The real estate markets are going to be going. There's going to be a time of, uh, you know, hardships and stuff. God's system doesn't depend upon the oil. God's world's, our system doesn't depend upon whether the real estate market is up or down. God's system depends on the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven has never yet faced a lack. There's been enough and more than enough. There will be enough, and there will continue to be more than enough. When we start basing our life upon God's system, we're going to start operating in faith. When we start operating in faith, it means we don't have to change our lifestyle to, to, by the dictates of this world. Our lifestyle is then set by heaven. When we come to a time of trying, when we are in faith, even the tough times just become another stepping stone to move to another place. The Bible says the path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter until it shines forth as the noonday sun. As we start walking in faith, we can expect that our path will keep getting brighter and brighter. The tough times will be a minor setback, will just be a temporary stopping, but it's a stepping point that we step up and over. So while I was thinking about this, I recognized that in both the abundant times and the tough times can give us reason to try and let go of our faith. You know, it often doesn't matter whether we're being, whether things seem to be abundant or whether we're hard. Both of them can give us reason to draw back. You know, when we're being blessed and it feels like we've got everything and we've got more than enough, then it's very easy to hear people say, well, I got blessed, I got this, I got that, you know, I got blessed. Well, didn't you get blessed if you didn't get a new car? Aren't you blessed just the fact that you have breath today? Aren't you blessed in the fact that you're still walking? (laughs) See, we have so often, we've started thinking, well, when I get all the possessions and everything is abundant and I have the car that I want and the house that I want and the bank accounts that I want, well, I've been blessed of the Lord. Except we end up forgetting the fact that we are blessed of the Lord as long as we're breathing. We have a covenant with the Almighty. We have a covenant with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we are blessed irregardless of what the finances all around us are doing. We are blessed because we are a blessed people. We are God's chosen people. And yet so often we end up dropping our great excitement when the times of abundance are are, are not available. 
You know, we love to give up testimony. We love to stand up and say, oh, I got this unexpected check. I got this. I got that. I got the next thing. Can we give testimony that my name is written in the book of life? My name is written in God's book of life. I am blessed. If there was nothing more ever, I am blessed. Amen? When everything is going great, we get caught up in thinking that it's all because we were so good at making the right moves. Instead of remembering that without God, we could do nothing. And this is what will happen so often. People will start sharing their testimony. Well, I spent time in prayer, and I spent time in this, and I spent time... And then this happened. I did all of these works. I made the right move. I invested at this time. I invested at that time. I invested under the direction of the Spirit of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord has caused this thing, to ca- or caused me to be in the right place at the right time, because I sought Him. You know, the Bible makes it very clear that when we abide in Him, we can do all things, that without Him, we can do nothing. And yet when times are going good, it's very easy even for Christians to think, well, I have done this, the power of my hand has got me this wealth. It is God that did it. During hard times, people have a tendency to forget that God's grace depends on God's nature and not on our good works. Oh, I must have done something wrong. I must have been out of line. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You know, if I went to prayer more, if I went to study my Bible more, if I did this, then God would love me. God loved you before you ever even knew him. The Bible tells us that while we were yet in our sins, he sent his son to die for us. Which greater love could any man show than to send his son to take your place in death? So he loved us. His Goodness, His mercies, His blessing isn't depending upon your good works. His blessing is dependent upon His nature. And when the nature of God changes, then you might have to start earning it. But until that point, it is done because it is for His good pleasure. That should be called shouting news, really. <laughs> In the hard times... Even if the hard times seem very hard, God is faithful. He has not changed and he will bring victory to his children in every situation if we reach out in faith. And this is basically what the Bible teaches us throughout Hebrews, saying without faith it is is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Do you know how often people will try to get you to take that last clause of that verse and throw it out? Now without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. But it doesn't say period, it says and. And as we know, and I don't, haven't been in school for too long, I think it's called the conjunction. Somebody might be able to correct me if it's not. <laughs> A conjunction means there's more coming. And that he, God, is a rewarder of, oh, but we shouldn't be doing things for reward, we shouldn't be this, we should just love God because he's God. We should, how stupid. The Word of God says they have to believe that He is and that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. That's Scripture. Why not just go ahead and follow the Word? 
Well, I don't want to serve God because I, what I, get, I don't want to serve God for what I get either. But I believe that as I serve Him and as I seek after Him, that He rewards us because we diligently seek Him. So that even if there is a hard time, the Word of God has not changed and He is going to reward us because we diligently seek Him. Amen? So even in the hard times... God is faithful, but you know, the good times can cause us to depend upon ourselves. The hard times can cause us to think that God doesn't care anymore. And then we start making these silly little religious cliches that sound so wonderful and yet that destroy the power of the Word of God. See, when you start telling people, oh, well, you shouldn't be doing this because God said, that you're totally telling them not to believe the Word of God. The Word of God says He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So whether I'm doing it for the reward or not isn't the matter. What matters is that He is going to reward me if I seek Him. Come on. Okay, well, today I'm going to look at five different things that we can do (laughs) that are going to keep us ready, whether we are in the times of abundance or in the times of drought, whether we are in season or out. 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 says, Preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So we can be instant in season or out. We can be instant in season when the things are going good and when it feels that we can see the tangible blessing of God all around us. We can be instant. We can be instant out of season. When it things like nothing wants to work for me, nothing wants to go my way, when it seems like everything wants to go against me, we can still be instant in that time in glorifying God and giving us reason for why we believe like we do. And the very first thing that we're going to have to do in the time of abundance or in the time of drought, in season or out, is to practice God's presence, period. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So I believe one of the most important things that we can do throughout 2015, throughout the rest of our life, is to practice the presence of God. Have a heart to worship both at church and in your home. You know, sometimes it's easy to come together in church and we worship God and we get stirred up and it's exciting to dance and just to have a good time. I noticed the other night, a couple of weeks ago, when they're working, getting the monitors up here and getting the system going in place and they've started putting some music on and and all of a sudden there's some guys dancing around in the church and having a great time. I thought, great, let's see that Sunday morning. Let's do it all the time. Do it at home. Do it when you're working. Do it Sunday morning. Start practicing the presence of God because, you know, the presence of God is just as much here Sunday morning as it is on a Thursday night when we're hooking up monitors or Friday night or whatever night it was. We can worship God the same way all the time. It's great. But we have to start practicing the presence of God, whether it be in church or whether it be in our own home. So whether you're experiencing victory or struggle, your season can be your prison or your sanctuary depending on what you can do with it. You know, you can get tied in with your possessions. There's many people that are tied in with too many possessions. And all of a sudden, it's so hard to maintain all of these things. Their focus has come off of what, they, what God is doing and on what they're going to have to do to hang on to what they got. Deal with an open hand. If God has given to you, he's got to replace it if this one's gone. Learn to deal with an open hand. 
And yet people come into this little prison of their blessing. Well, I've got this and I've got to do that. And, and because I have this and because I have that, now I have to do this and I've got to maintain and I've got to keep up and I've got to replace and I've got to fix and I've got to repair. And, I gotta, and all of a sudden their possessions, their blessing has become a prison to them. You know, we have to go to the lake every Sunday. We can't go to church because you have to go mow the lawn at the cabin. <laughs> I know, I heard people say that. Sucks to have a cabin. <laughs> Sucks to have a cabin at the lake. <laughs> but <laughs> all of a sudden, people start talking and, and their, their abundance has become their prison. You know, they've got to watch the stock market every single moment of every single day because if there is a fluctuation, I could end up losing... And now my possessions became my prison. I can see if thing can happen when you're, you know, when you're going through a hard time, all of a sudden your rough time can become your prison. Oh, I can't afford to do this. I can't afford to do that. I can't do anything. I, you know, my whole life just, my, I hate my life because I just can't. That's become your prison. But either one of those places can become your sanctuary. If you come into a place of worship in the time of abundance and you start worshiping God and saying, you know, God, all of these things I receive from you, what do you want me to do with them? You might be surprised that actually God is going to say, well, you don't need this. Why don't you give it to somebody? Huh? Would God do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Many times in our life where I know God is just, well, just give it away. Many times when we get blessed, it's not even for us. When we get blessed with a material possession, it's not for us, it's to give on. God blesses us, we go, thank you, Father, for the blessing. What, where do you want me to put it? What do you want me to do with it? Oh, okay. God. If the Lord gives, so we can... T- you know, we like to say, well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh. No, the Lord giveth so that we can giveth. <laughs> As we start learning to live in the flow of the kingdom, it's not that I become the dead sea where everything flows into. I become a sea where everything flows out of. During good times and bad, a sanctuary of praise and worship can be built and you can begin to abide in God's presence continuously. A burden-bearing anointing is what is needed to overcome the persecutions and the distresses and that only comes from God's presence. We need that anointing. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to overcome those things that are trying to press us down. It is the Spirit of God within us, the power of the authority of the name of God upon us, that is going to cause those things to break open and to flee. So we need to get into God's presence so that we can use that authority and be set free from the things that are trying to hinder us. Well, the same anointing can springboard you into ever greater victories. When you are worshiping God and you're recognizing that God is taking first place in your life, He can trust you with anything or everything. He doesn't have to worry that your million dollars in the bank is going to turn your head now and stop you from serving him. He doesn't have to worry that the need to mow the lawn at the cabin is going to keep you out of church on Sunday. Did I say that? I said that. (laughs) All of a sudden, your heart has proven itself faithful. Oh, well, God already knows what's in our heart. Yes, and Israel spent 40 years being proved in the wilderness to see what was in their heart. If God knows what's in your heart, you don't think he knew what was in Israel's heart? He knew exactly what was in Israel's heart. It took him 40 years to get it out of there. 
Hello. <laughs> As we start worshiping God during the good times or the bad, it can either give us the power to break out of where we are, or it's going to keep us focused upon God so that none of these things move me. My eye is single, but, but, but you know, I will lose it all, God, if I can have you. You know, we sing those songs, all for you, Jesus, all for you. I surrender all. Do we mean it? Do we really? What, is God, what if God was going to touch your heart on something that was very dear to you? I heard a while ago about a minister who had, did a, had a, at the offering time, he did something very unusual. I was thinking of doing it this morning, but I thought, well, that could offend some people. So I'll just talk about it and they can decide for themselves whether it would work or not. Before they had the offering, he said, hold up your wallets. Everybody held up their wallets or their checkbooks or their purses or whatever they had with them that day. And he says, you can say you worship God or you can show you worship God. <laughs> uh-huh. He says, we need the true worshipers to come forward. <laughs> oh yeah, that's sort of calling the line, isn't it? Good times or bad. Practice God's presence. Be alive in the presence of God. The second thing is, learn to be thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It doesn't say for everything, but it says in everything. So learn to thank God in the midst of your adversity as strongly as you do when everything is going your way. Because this is what is going to position you for your future. You know, if you have come to the place where you are no longer thankful and you think the power of my own hands has gotten me this wealth, I have worked hard for this. You just took over. But if you can be thankful, say, Father, I thank you that you have blessed me with enough, that you have given me the abundance. I thank you, Father, that you have chosen to pour out your blessing upon me in such a way that I can live however I choose to live. How much better is that than saying, well, you know, I managed to get all of this, so now I've got it all. We need to learn to be thankful during good times and bad. Thank God when things are tough just as much as you do when everything's going well. If times are hard, take time to assess your work and all of your accomplishments. You know, a lot of times you say, well, you know, I have nothing to be thankful anymore. My business has gone bankrupt. I've lost my money. I just have nothing to be thankful for. Are you still breathing? Make a list of everything that you are thankful for and then give thanks with a grateful heart. Father, I thank you that even though the market collapsed and I lost my finances, you gave me a wife that was willing to stick with me. Hmm. I thank you, Father, that you gave me a wife so that the two of us can agree together and we know that so whatsoever we shall ask in prayer shall be done. So we know, Father, this is just a very temporary setback because we were meant to live on a higher plane. I thank you, Father, I have food on my table. That I'm not starving. Even close. <laughs> I thank you, Father, for friends, for children. I thank you for friends that love me. They don't have to. They're not related to me. They chose to. 
I thank you, Father. And we can start thanking God for many of the things that we so often forget. When times are tough, start looking at the things you are thankful for. Well, I just got this old beater I can hardly get from one place to the next. In Africa, you have a bicycle and you're thankful because you don't have to walk. Many of our missionaries, when you buy bicycles for them, are so excited because they now have the ability to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ much further than they ever did before. And they get excited. They say, you know, before I only had to walk 12 miles a day and now I can drive. On my bike, I'll be able to do like 30 and 40 miles a day and share Jesus. See, that doesn't even come up on our radar often. God, I don't have a fridge with an ice maker in it. My life is ruined. (laughs) I know. My remote broke on my TV, God. (laughs) Like, do we see a bit of shallowness in our life sometimes? (laughs) Just a touch. Learn. (laughs) When we learn to be thankful for what we have, instead of focusing on what we don't have, it opens the door for God to move. If you have a spoilt child that is complaining because they didn't get the latest Barbie yet, How many of you really feel like running out and buying it? (laughs) Exactly. Why? Because you don't even appreciate what you got. Now, every one of us are living in a place where like 90% of the world is worse off than we are. Kings that are living in greater poverty than any of us in this room are. And most of the time we would have to say shame on us because we have not learned to develop a thankful heart. So make a list of everything that you're thankful for and then give thanks with a grateful heart. Don't forget to come and give thanks if things are going well. In Luke chapter 17, there was 10 lepers that came crying out to Jesus. He said, go show yourself. And the Bible says, as they went to go show themselves to the priest, they were healed. They noticed they were healed. One came back and started thanking Jesus. Jesus says, was there not 10 of you? Where's the other nine? Go your way and be whole. What's the difference between being healed and whole? The fingers are back. My face is no longer falling off. Lepers. Everything has been restored. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. If you study up on leprosy, you'll find it's a horrible disease. It disfigures and tears and eats away at the body. One was whole. The others were healed. They were no longer sick. The sickness had stopped. But the thankful heart caused this one to be made whole. 
See, there's many Christians come to the Lord and they get healed. They accept Christ as their Savior, they get healed. And yet then some become thankful and they become whole. And all of a sudden, everything that the enemy has tried to destroy in their lives until the point they accepted Christ no longer has a hold on them. The abuse that they've had to suffer no longer holds them back. The upbringing that they had doesn't stop them. They were made whole. The divorces that they have gone through, the children that they have lost, everything no longer holds them back because they were made whole. They came thankful. See, some come and they think, okay, I'm a Christian now, but God, I sure got the short end of the stick. And they'll stay on that short end of the stick. Others come and say, God, I'm just so thankful. Jesus said, to whom much has been forgiven, much will be required. Third thing. I only have five points. I'm halfway done. Break soul ties to your last assignment. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Soul ties will bind you to connections that will hinder you from moving on to your new assignment. Well, that's not how we did it before. Well, you know, the last time when I did it like this and this, then I ended up at work. Now that, break your soul ties. You must release yourself from those ties if you want to progress to your next season. You're going to have to let go of this if you want to take this. You've got to break your soul tie, your mental attitude, your whatever that's concerning this, so that you can have that. And yet so many times we find that so hard because we want to live in the past. We want to live when we were. We can't ever go back. We can only move forward. What has been has been and will never be undone. What will be, we can find out with joy if we break free from the past. So let go. Break the ties of the last season so that you can move into the next season. You know, if you're prospering and everything is going well, you'll have, if you'll recognize, you know, successful people, rich people, people that we everybody say, oh, they must have been blessed, they diversify. Why? Break ties with this season. Maybe you got rich farming, but you don't stay there. What you do is you start investing in property. You start investing in other things. You start investing in companies. You diversify. Why? You start breaking ties with that and saying, God, where's the new season? When people are broke, they'll often sit there and they'll whine for years about how they could have and should have and didn't. Break ties. You can waste the rest of your life thinking about what could have been. This wasn't. Quit hanging around the carcass and move forward. Yeah, but this was this. It was, but it isn't. But you're going to have to break those soul ties and let go so that you can move into what God has for you. God has set you free so that you do not have to be entangled with the yoke of bondage again. We get caught up in thinking that just because something worked that way once before, that that's how we got to do it again in this time. But be open to change. You know, the church should probably hear this message. I'm talking about the church. Because the church is one of the things that likes to hang on to the way things were. We didn't come to build a museum. The church is a living entity. The church is a school. It's fresh. It's new. We keep from the old what's good, but we let go of those things that don't matter anymore. 
Well, I don't know. I think the church should have wooden pews and they should be fastened down because that's how I grew up. Huh? So what? Maybe pews worked in that season, but it's a new season. We can better utilize the space that we have if we don't have a bunch of wooden pews screwed down to the floor. Let go of what was. Move forward to what was you. Let those soul ties go. It's the soul ties that keep us bound to everything. Well, this is the way my grandmother had it. Good. It probably worked for her. If it didn't, she should have been smart enough to move out of it. Come on. What's that? We got a bigger roaster. (laughs) Doing the right thing in the wrong season is as bad as doing the wrong thing in the wrong season. Number four. Your lots, capital L, your lots will not always go with you into your next season. Romans 16, verse 17 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learnt, and avoid them. Oh no, we have to try and win them. We have to try and change them. We have to try and... God says avoid them. Mark those that cause divisions and... Mark those that cause offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. And avoid them. See, God will help remove people from your life that are going to hinder you from moving into your next season. Not everybody that you have ever met is going to be a lifelong friend. In fact, you're probably going to find there's very few people that you knew that are going to stay lifelong friends. Because sometimes God will bring people into your life for a season, and when that season is done, you're going to have to move on to the next step. And that doesn't mean that's going to be the same step that person will move. Now, sometimes it is. You know, people get a kindred heart, a kindred spirit, and they have the same desire. They say, we can work together on this. And they often do work together for the rest of their lives. But your lots don't always come with you into the next season. God will remove people from your life that are going to hinder you from going into the next season. See, some people, they'll go so and so far, and now they want to hold back. No, we don't want to move into the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Oh, we don't want to go forward. We want to stay here. This is comfortable. This is where my parents were. This is where I grew up. This is where... And you're going to die in that spot. Oh, yeah, but they really want to. Well, they will. What's the best way of selling somebody really wants to? They do it. Don't talk about it. Do it. See, a lot of people will tell you their great dreams, but they can't ever show you one. Oh, I'm tipping on toes now. <laughs> Lot could not go with Abraham because there was strife and self-promotion. Envying, strife, and division stem from the carnal nature, and we are called to be spiritual. Envying, strife, division. Some people will tell you what's wrong with everything, and they can never find a good thing. You're probably going to end up finding that lot has to be left behind. 
Let God separate those that need to be left. Some friends you find out, just all of a sudden, you no longer have the same goals. Especially when the age we have found that many of our friends, all of a sudden their goal is just to live quietly and have a nice house. What happened? I know Leonard and Elvina have talked about this different times. They were a little few years further ahead of us. But they've had seen now some of the friends they started off with in the charismatic movement and they started off on fire and things started changing and all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we just rather want to go back to a safe and secure place. Why? You'll separate them. They'll separate because you have different purposes, different goals. If we're not headed in the same direction, how shall two walk together except they be agreed? You're not even on the same highway. That doesn't mean they're bad people. They have a different vision, a different goal. But let God separate them because you're not being able to drag them along if they don't want to go there. You're spending your energy trying to drag somebody that doesn't even want to go where you need to go. Quit chasing those that God is removing. Oh, that hurts. If God is removing some people from your life, quit chasing after them. You don't have to leave angry. You don't have to leave. Just recognize we're different. If we meet, we meet. That's great. We have a great time. But our goals have changed. Our purpose has changed. When we first started in the ministry, we had a lot of friends that, oh yeah, they were all excited. They're all great, but they didn't want to change. They wanted to live in the world. They wanted to stay back. They wanted to go out and do this. And, and you know, commit to a church was too much. We never told them to quit coming. We just, when they came over, we kept talking Jesus to them. They quit coming. We meet them, oh, we should really get together sometime. Sure, let's get together sometime. And you know they're not calling. And that's okay. Why? The goals are different. I don't want to see how close I can live to the world without falling in. I want to see how much I can give myself to the kingdom of God. I want to see what's going to happen when God gets greater control. Number five, watch and wait for divine appointments. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So God will arrange divine appointments. In our out-of-season times, we may have to listen more carefully to hear his voice. But God will bring something or someone to meet you at your point of need for your next assignment. Or just to encourage you as you step into new territory. God will have someone there to encourage you. So develop your discernment. Don't just listen to the soulish prophecies and the flattering words. You know, a lot of times all people want to hear is another soulish prophecy or another flattering word. It's nice to hear that, oh, you're a mighty man of God. You are an overcomer. You are this and you're that. But let's face it, are we? We know, we, we know we are positionally, but are we experientially? Are you experiencing the victory? Or are you getting beat up? 
Are we in church praising and worshiping and saying, oh, hallelujah, everything is great, we're mighty men of victory, and then going home and going places we shouldn't go on our computers? Are we sitting in church and saying, oh, hallelujah, we're the super saint? And then getting on the phone at home and gossiping. Did you see what she was wearing? Doesn't she know? Well, let's bring it real close. You know, there's no sense talking about ideas out there. They better be here. Wait for those divine appointments. God will send somebody to help you. He'll send somebody, then recognize them. Don't worry, listen for the soulish prophecies. You know, I was talking this morning, even doing prayer, and it hit me later how, you know, the kings, two kings, the king of Judah, the king of Israel got together, they're going to defeat the enemy, they thought, and they're having a little war conference to see if it was going to happen, and finally the king of Israel says, well, don't you have any prophets? And he goes, oh yeah. And the prophets come in, oh yeah, go and do, you're going to have a great victory, you're going to have a mighty victory, things are going to work great for you, you go out there and you're going to defeat your enemy, and one even made a set of horns out of iron, he says, just like this, these horns are going to scare them back into the sea, and, and you're going to have the victory. And the king goes, don't you have anybody that tells the truth? <laughs> well, yeah, I have one prophet, but I don't like him, he always says bad things about me. So in comes Micaiah. Yeah, yeah, whatever they said. I know it's loose translation, but you can find it in the Bible if you want the exact wording. Yeah, what they said. And the king says, quit lying. Okay, well, you go out there, you're going to die. <laughs> I hate you. Don't ever see you again. <laughs> but guess what? He was right. And sometimes God is going to bring you people in your life and they're not going to sound like they've got the right word because they're going to look at you and say, you know, this is not the time for you to be doing that. There's some stuff in your life you're going to have to correct first. Yeah, but I don't want to correct nothing. I just want to go, 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 go. And you say, no, not right now. There's some stuff going on that you've got to deal with now. Get that dealt with and then go ahead. Well, where's your faith? In the Word of God and in the Spirit of God. Recognize those appointments and keep those appointments. Keep them. Keep strong to those that God brings. Listen. Because the same one that's going to tell you this is not your season to move is also the same one that's going to say now you're ready to be promoted. If they're true. So don't just listen to the soulish prophecies and the flattering words. Instead, wait on the Lord by binding yourself tightly to his promises. Then when things are going and it's good, it's easy to relax. It's easy to enjoy the friends that want to be close now. You know, a lot of times people get successful and all of a sudden somebody wants to be there. We plant a church and the church stays around for over a year. And all of a sudden we have ministry saying, oh, wow, great to see what you're doing. Can we come and preach there? Where were you in the first while? You know, all of a sudden you start getting prosperous and wow, we want to be your friend. Mm -hmm. 
I've heard of people that have had friends come over, they went out for dinner, and the comment was made, well, you have a lot more money than we do, so you should just pay for it. Yeah, I want friends like that, not. If I choose to pay for something, it's my choice. Okay. <laughs> when things are going good, it's easy just to relax and to enjoy the friends that want to be close now. No, no, keep your discernment up. The flattering lips and the lying tongue and all of those things. Remember what Solomon said. Remember who was there in the hard times. A lot of times guys get successful. Now they need a newer model wife. Remember who was there in the hard times. Who took you through that time. Samuel Rutherford says, I will charge my soul to believe and to wait for him and follow his providence and not go before nor stay behind. And that really needs to be our walk in the Christian. I will charge my soul to believe and to wait for him and follow his providence. Not go before, not to stay behind. William Barclay made the comments, his endurance is not just the ability to bear a thing but to turn it into glory. Always ready, no matter what. Five little steps, and it'll be a year for you that you're going to look back at and say, God, how was that all possible? Because God can move you far above what you can think or believe if you're going to follow his principles. So Father, I just thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the ability to share this word. Help us to take it to heart, to believe it and to trust it, to make it real. In Jesus' name, amen.